0: As we've been going through the book of Revelation, um, we have entered into, um, a while back, the things that shall be. And as we've considered the things which shall be, um, we we are currently looking at the events surrounding the sounding of the seventh trumpet. And so we saw that sounding go forth two weeks ago um, as we considered um, Revelation chapter 11, the end part of Revelation 11. And as we've considered this, sounding of the trumpet, we've seen in Revelation chapter 10, the, um, the mighty angel which came in the cloud and who declared the com- uh, completion of the mystery of God, and then we went into chapter 11 and we saw the two witnesses who witnessed on the earth for how long? How? Three, and three and a half years, three and a half years, good. The two witnesses are on the earth, three and a half years, and at the end of three and a half years, God allowed um, Antichrist, God allowed the, the people to have power over them, and they were able to kill them, and they laid them out in the streets for? Three days, three, days, three and a half days. And at the end of those three and a half days, what happened? They were, they were, resurrected. They were, they were resurrected, they rose up, they were raptured, if you would. They went up <laughs> into the clouds, and so the whole world saw it, and they were filled with amazement. However, we as we continue to see, it didn't change the way the rest of the world thought. They were full of amazement. And then they went on to do what they went on to do. And so then we saw then the sounding of the trumpet itself. At that moment. So all that was happening at the time when. If you would the angel was taking the breath. And starting to blow. But the trumpet hasn't yet sounded. Does all that make sense? Because we're told in Revelation 10. That at the at the time of the sounding of the trumpet. The completion would happen. And all this was happening. So. Time is is an interesting thing from our perspective. And we're going to see that a little bit today in one of the points. And that is that time from our perspective and time from heaven's perspective isn't always the same. And so it doesn't take very long to go and blow a trumpet. But clearly, according to heaven's uh, heaven's plan, it took three and a half years for all that to happen. Okay, From our perspective. Does that make sense? Because the the angel brings the trumpet up, he gets ready to blow the witnesses are on the earth for three and a half years, they're laid out for three and a half days, they're resurrected, and then the trumpet sounds. So all that's going on, okay? And so then we saw at the end of chapter 11 that the, the temple in heaven was opened up, and we can see the, the the Ark of the Covenant inside it as well, and we talked then about um, how that was the the uh, temple, the tabernacle here in the earth was just a picture of that which was to come, and how Jesus' uh Jesus' sacrifice was the fulfillment of all the sacrifices as well. Today we move into the second half of Daniel's 70th week. We begin to look at um, the coming of the dragon. And... uh, in the assault of the dragon. And so in chapter 12 and chapter 13, though it's long and though you can see in the little outline portion on the, so- the right side there, that I have them as two separate points. You have the, the uh, vision of the, the woman, the, the great sign in heaven. And then you have the, the rising of the beast as two separate entities. They are, but yet they go together as one. Because within both of those we see <coughs> one dominant figure, and that is the dragon. And so I want to read chapter 12. Um, As we go into this. Because Steve has already read chapter 13. For our Bible reading. Um, But we're going to start in uh, chapter 12. Verse 1. It says. Now a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with a sun. With the moon under her feet. And on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child. She cried out in labor and pain. To give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold a great fiery red dragon. Having seven heads and ten horns. And seven diadems on his heads." His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was cut up to God in his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she, was, where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, "Now salvation and strength and kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, in you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil has come down to you, having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of its mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman. And he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And then chapter 13 we go and then he sees the beast arising from the sea. And so we want to talk this morning about this dragon. This who is called Satan. And his assault first of all in the heavenly realm. And then, secondly, in the earthly realm. So, first, we want to look at the dragon's assault in in the heavens, in the, his heavenly assault. And what do we see in chapter 12? First of all, we're told in this assault, his desire. What was the desire of the dragon? To devour, to devour the man child. Good. I wrote, I had that, so it came right up, huh? It makes it makes it easy when you get the answers pop up for you. Okay. His desire was to devour. His desire was to devour the man child, the male child that was going to come. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this but if you go all the way back to the book of Genesis when there were the curses being brought out what was the curse that was given between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent? There would be enmity between the two. That's exactly right. And ultimately what would happen? That's right. The, 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 the seed of the serpent would strike the heel of the seed of the woman but the seed of the woman would crush the head of the seed of the serpent. The serpent has known, the dragon, if you would, the serpent has known from the beginning what the plan of God was. He didn't know the day or the hour, just as we don't know the day or the hour. He doesn't know the timing, but he knew what the plan was. And so, he waited for the fullness of time, Galatians chapter 4, when the when, when Christ would be born of a virgin, born of a woman, born under the law, right? To redeem those under the law. He's waiting, and so he's waiting to do what? To devour, to de- to devour the, and so the to devour the man-child, and so um, we'll talk more about that in a moment. Secondly, we see his defeat. Now, these are all under quick observations here. We see his defeat to Michael. Okay, we're we're told that there was a, a war that went on. Okay, that he's not able to devour the, the woman's child, but that he was actually uh, has this battle and he's and he's thrown from the heavens down to the earth, and then we're told that in that time that after she gives birth to the child, the woman flees. We're told that twice, okay? It's, it's repeated again. And so the woman flees. Later we're told that she's given wings so that she could flee. And as she flees, the dragon comes and he tries to destroy her. And, he, and, he, and he, so he spews out water like a flood. But that the earth helps the woman. It opens up its mouth and it it, it swallows the water that was there. Okay, So we're not getting into what it all means right now. We're just kind of getting into... The, what's being stated there observation. The observations. So we see the dragon. The dragon and his, his heavenly assault. Secondly, we see the dragon's earthly assault. And in the dragon's earthly assault, there at the end of chapter 12, going into chapter 13, we see that since he's not able to destroy the man-child, and he's not able to destroy the woman, he turns around and says, I'm going to go after the rest of her offspring. Now we'll talk about them, the offspring, in just a few moments. But we're told here very clearly that the offspring are saints as well. And so he comes after the saints. Okay? And we're told that in chapter 13 as well. That God gives him authority, or the beast, authority over the saints. And that authority that he has comes from the dragon. So therefore the dragon must have been given authority as well over the saints. Secondly, we see that there is these beasts. That in this assault that he has upon the earth, that there is a beast that arises up out of the sea. And as the beast rises up out of the sea, it is described in the same manner as the dragon is described. It has seven heads and ten horns. However, it's not described as being a dragon, it's described as being a, a leopard with the feet of a bear and the, the, the mouth of a, a lion. Okay? But yet it has the seven heads and the, the ten horns, just like the dragon. And we're told that the dragon gives his authority to this first beast. So this first beast comes and we see that um, his appearance is is like that and his authority that he gets is from the dragon. But we're told as well that there is a second beast that then comes up. And the second beast, we're told, is described as to be like a uh, a lamb. It has two horns like a lamb. So it, it has the appearance of a lamb, but it speaks like what? The dragon. The dragon. Okay. Now we're told later on in... um in chapter 20, that this is the false prophet, okay, and so it makes sense that it's a false prophet, because a false prophet wants to to speak like what, like Christ, okay, makes it sound like he's telling the things of God, but we know that the things aren't true, but yet his words are really more like a dragon, and so it reminds me a whole lot of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, the, uh, the, the, the workers of the devil, who appear to be ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works, okay. So he's coming with a false spirit, a false gospel, a false Jesus. Okay, And this uh, beast then, his deception, his description is, was that, but the deception that he gives is that he, he's able to do all these signs and wonders, we're told in chapter 13. He's able to do mighty works. And in the mighty works, he points then everybody to worship the first beast, the, the, that leopard with the, the seven heads and the ten horns. And he wants everybody to worship that beast. In fact, he wants him to worship him so much that he makes an image of that beast and sets it up and has everybody worship that beast. And anybody who doesn't worship the beast is to be killed. Now, some of these things should ring as parallelisms to the book of Daniel to you. Remember how Nebuchadnezzar set up the, the image of gold and everybody had to bow to it and whoever didn't bow to it had to, would have to die. They'd be thrown into, the, into the, the fiery furnace. And so a lot of parallelism is here. And we're not going to be handling every, all this in detail But but it's there for you to read and to understand, okay? And and some of it we'll get into chapter 17 when we talk more about the first beast. Some of it we'll talk about in chapter 20 when we talk about the second beast. Um, But here we're told that the second beast gives glory to the the first beast. But both of them have their power derived from the dragon. Do you understand? So, So as we go through chapter 12 and chapter 13, as we're looking at this, we're understanding that this is all a satanic war. Do you understand? Sometimes we get distracted by some of the other things, but we need to be reminded that there is a war that's going on. It's a spiritual war. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. And so though the beast, the first beast, and the second beast may come to be in a a, a physical appearance, behind them there is the dragon, okay, that is giving authority and power to all these things. Thirdly, we see in his um, earthly assault, the mark. The mark of the beast. I know many of you are probably looking forward to this moment of the message. That's at the very end. So you've got to wait all that time. This is a three-hour message. You can see on your sermon notes how long it is. So um, so hopefully, if you're still here at the end of those three hours, you'll get to hear all that. If everybody's gone, I don't have to preach it, and I get, a, I get to walk away. Anyways, no. Seriously. Hopefully, um, I'll, I'll be like the, uh, the Federal Express guy with his talking, and we're going to fly through all this stuff. But the mark of the beast is, is there as well. And so this mark of the beast, we're told that everybody has to receive, and if they don't receive it, then they're not going to be able to buy and sell. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on as well. So that's the overview. That's the observations that that are going on here. We see that in this whole thing between 12 and 13, there is a continuum that's happening. Chapter 13 is happening because in chapter 12, the dragon is cast out of heaven to the earth. And so now he's starting his earthly assault. Do you get it? So that's why that kind of all goes together. The dragon is beginning to... To, to really, he knows his time's coming up. He knows it's in the, the final half of the, the, the week. And he knows he's got to do something. So, now we want to go on and we want to look at some of the interpretations here. Now, first thing we want to talk about in this interpretation is the timing. The timing of all this is go, that's going on. First of all, we know three times we're told in chapter 12 and 13 that this is going to be a period where the, the dragon has his period to operate through these beasts for three and a half years. We're told that in chapter twelve, if you see that in chapter twelve, look at verse six, we're told that the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God that she should feed her there one thousand two hundred and sixty days. Then drop down to verse fourteen. We're told that the woman was given two wings of an eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished, for a times, times in Half a time. And again, if you remember when we talked before, a time is a year. Times is two years. A half a time is a half a year. So again, three and a half years. Okay, and then again, down in chapter 13, verse 5, we see, And that the beast was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. So three different ways we're told about the same time period. Each one of those time periods equates to three and a half years. Okay? Now again, I know that I, I... Broken record, but repetition is the key to learning, right? It's a, it's a, um, just an amazing thing to me when I, when I see the, the traditional views, and again, I'm a pre-trib rapturist, okay? But the, the, traditional view of not understanding that clearly that the seven years of Daniel started in ch- chapter 11, where you had the witnesses for three and a half years, which was declared over and over again, and now you have the next three and a half years that are here as well. Three and a half plus three and a half is, is seven. It, it's just. I don't get it. So, and so, and they don't take, they don't take the the seal judgments and the trumpet judgments to be simultaneous. And yes, they make, yes, they make them simultaneous. They understand that they're sequential. And so, I, I'm not quite sure in interpretation how we do that. And so, from my perspective, you know, I didn't grow up in all those things, and so my desire has been just to read it. And so, I'm willing to accept the word as it says, even if I don't like what it says. Does that make sense? And so. I don't. I, I won't. I don't really want to be there for some of those seal judgments. I really don't want to be there for some of those trumpet judgments. You know, maybe the Lord will take me ahead of time. But the fact is, if I'm going to go through them, then praise God, I'll go through them. Okay. And so the timing here is that it's three and a half years, and so we know that it's the final half of Daniel's 70th week. So that's important for us to remember. I'll talk about that again at the very end. Okay? Because it's important for us to remember. Now, the second thing we want to look at is the identity. First of all, of the woman. Who is the woman? Who is this woman that has twelve a garland of twelve stars above her, who is clothed with the sun, and whose under her feet is the moon? Israel. It's Israel. Why is it Israel? How do you know all that? The Old Testament. Good. Come on, help me out now. How do you know that it's the woman? To, the child was taken up to the throne. No, well it could be. I mean there there are many people who say that this is the church. Who declare that the woman is the church. The bride of Christ. So you all say it's Israel. How do we you know it's Israel? The man child? Because she was given the recipe for the child. The recipe? Okay, but you got to give me some verses here. Give me some supporting evidence. It's on your sermon note sheet. <laughs> <laughs> Genesis 37! Isn't that exciting? Okay? And in Genesis 37, that is the, the account of Joseph, okay, who had the coat of many colors. He had a dream. And in his dream, he saw the sun, the moon, and eleven stars bow to him. And Jacob understood That the dream was about he and his mother and the 12 tribes of Israel, or the other 11 stars. And so, very clearly, Israel has always been known by the 12 stars, the sun and the moon. It's always been a descriptor of Israel. And so, yes, very clearly it's Israel. And, born of Israel was Christ. Well, no, Christ was the man-child who was Jesus Christ. We know that this Messiah... Mashiach came from the loins of Israel, not from the church. You know, again, I just, it's, it's amazing. Uh, again, you remember a couple months ago we talked about the word exegetic, exegesis and eisegesis? Exegetical um, teaching is where we, we go and try to derive from the text. Eisegetical is when we put into the text. We know what we want it to say, and so therefore we try to find a way for it to fit. Okay? Well, I want to look at this exegetically. I don't want to look at it It's not the church. It's clearly Israel. And Messiah comes from Israel. Right? And so that's the woman. The woman is, is Israel. Okay? And now, does it make sense that, that the dragon is going to be chasing the, the woman who is Israel? Yes. Why? Because you destroy the plan of God. And God says, in the book of Jeremiah, along with the New Covenant, He says, only if you can destroy my covenant with the sun, the moon, and the stars, interesting, can you destroy my covenant with, with my people, Israel, with Jacob. And so the point is, if you can destroy the sun, the moon, and the stars, you can destroy Israel. And so, the dragon knows that if he can destroy Israel, he can destroy the plan of God. He can destroy the veracity of God's truth, and God's word. And so throughout history... Who has been one nation that has been targeted over and over again? Israel. Israel. I mean, even with Adolf Hitler. Now, people say, was Adolf Hitler was Antichrist? Was he the Antichrist? You know, since Satan doesn't exactly know whenever it's going to be God's timing, there are many Antichrists. And that's what John said. Even now the spirit of Antichrist has gone out into the world. There are many Antichrists that are out there. And Satan is continually seeking to do what? destroy Israel destroy God's plan and so even right now in, in our global community Israel is a marked country I mean it's phenomenal how God has come to her defense now I'm not supporting Israel in some of the decisions she makes but she is God's chosen people and one day God will again work through that nation as we've seen in the book of Revelation Okay. secondly who is then the man child well we know who that is that's Jesus Christ Okay, now what's exciting about this when we look at the man-child Jesus Christ, and remember how I said that all the way back from the beginning in Genesis chapter uh, 1 through 4, 1 through 3, how the plan of God was there, and in Genesis 3 with the, uh, the curses, how Satan knows what the plan of God is, that this devouring actually occurred almost 2,000 years ago, okay, um, a little bit over 2,000 years ago now probably, when Christ was born. Do you remember in Luke chapter 2 when the angel, the messenger came to the shepherds and declared to the shepherds for unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. Right Now it's an amazing thing that was happening that day. You had a virgin and it did not escape the notice of Satan. You had a virgin who was with child who was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and so this child will be called the Son of the Most High. Okay. Now, if you're Satan, you, you, I think you'd be able to figure this one out, right? Okay. And so, but after this angel declares, "For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord," there was joined with him a heavenly choir, right? All with their robes and their and their wings and their. Sing- Not at all. It was a heavenly host. And the word "sebeoth" host, is for a military unit. Those weren't angels singing. They weren't a choir of of people singing. They were warriors who were there to set a perimeter around the birth of the Messiah. Because Satan sought to what? Destroy Destroy and devour the man-child. It's an amazing thing. And so what did he do? Kill all the firstborn. He worked through Herod, an antichrist, if you would, at that time, to kill all of the firstborn, or to kill all of the, 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 the male children who were two years old and younger. And God worked by giving a vision to, to Joseph in the night to tell him to get up and take his son to Egypt so that he would be spared. So, so, That all was going on. There was a spiritual war that was happening this entire time that Satan wanted to destroy the man-child. It didn't happen though. We're told as well that this man-child would be one who would reign with a rod of iron. Jesus is declared to be the one who would be to reign in the millennium. We'll see that later on in the book of Revelation when we get there, that he will reign with a rod of iron. Yes, indeed, when Jesus comes to the earth, our God of grace will be a God of rule and judgment. People say that the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament are two different gods. And the answer is, not true. Okay? It is two sides of the same coin, maybe, but it's all one God. And when Jesus Christ comes to reign, during his millennial rule, he will be reigning with a rod of iron. He will also reign with love and grace and mercy. However... The fact is, if you go to the other side of the law, remember we talked about this two weeks ago, right? The law is a schoolmaster, is a tutor. Okay, but it depends on which side of the, the law you are, are on. That's exactly right. Which side of the law do you want to be on? And so, this man-child is going to come, he's going to be one who reigns with a rod of iron. Thirdly, we see the identity of the offspring. Well, we're told pretty clearly who the offspring are. Who are the offspring? Well, they're the ones who have the commandments, we're told, in the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, what are the commandments? The law. law. Now, wait a second. I thought that the testimony of Jesus Christ was contradictory to the law. No, not. Because we're told that Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law. And so we understand that our covenant is built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And so they all fit together. It's, God hasn't had these two, two different plans that all of a sudden he said, ah, this one isn't working. I've got to start something new. And so he starts a new covenant. No. Not at all. Rather, they're built upon the same thing. And so these ones who are there, now understand, they're ones who have the covenant, they have the, they have the commandments, and they have the testimony of Jesus Christ. What would you call these people? Jews. Christians. They have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So... So here we go. Now, are they they Jews who are completed? Are they believers? If you remember two weeks ago, we talked about the fact that there is the traditional view that after a certain point, you know, they're going to believe the lie and they're not going to be able to be saved. But yet we're told here, even after the, the point where there could be another rapture or whatever, wherever you want to put the rapture, believers that are there. Okay. I think that God will always have a test, a remnant, a testimony on the earth. And these individuals, these saints who are here, will become the target of the beast. So are you saying that some Christians will remain after the rapture? Some will become Christians after the rapture. One of the things, one of the things that I love to do when I witness the people is also bring in eschatology, study the last things. Because, you know, as we saw in the Left Behind series and stuff like that, not that those are gospel, but good um, pictures of it at that time, and that is that there will be people who have had the testimony, who understood, but never fully committed their heart to Jesus Christ. And then all of a sudden, when they see their loved ones get raptured up, and they realize what? Oops. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of like the, I don't remember what the, the, the pastor's name is in the Left Behind series, um, but how he's an assistant pastor, and all of a sudden he realizes the rest of the church is gone. I always, you know, when, this is when I was a pastor of an independent Baptist church. So now I got to say it as a Bible church, right? So one of the the funnest places to be on the day of the rapture will be in a, a Baptist church or a Bible church when everybody thinks they're saved, and all of a sudden, you know, the majority of people go away, and there's you know, and there's other people sitting there, and they're looking around, saying, "What? Oops!" Because <laughs> I always say, I mean, and it goes for me as it well as for everybody else, and that is, you can deceive everybody else, but you're never going to deceive. God, you know, and so in your heart, you think, hey, I got everybody, I got everybody scammed. That's good. You scam everybody here, but one day, the scam comes to an end. You Sometimes you deceive yourself, you scam yourself. That's exactly right, because the heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. And that's what James 1 says, you're deceiving your own self. And so the scam, but but sometimes people are just scamming, they're just, they know they're not. And that's what I was going to say, even Ben, with the, the thing about the atheists, you know, I find that most people who are reading books about arguments of atheists aren't really atheists. They want to be atheists. They know there's a God. And they're trying to convince themselves that there's not a God so that they they're with they don't have judgment. So that's exciting to me that a guy brings in a book and puts it down because that means that he's looking for someone to debate him. To, 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 to give him the truth. Okay, anyways. So, anyways. We'll see how that goes. I'll be praying through. And, um, but that's an exciting thing. So, anyways, so the offspring are the saints, okay? And so I don't want to spend a lot of time here, because we've we've got a lot of things we want to cover. Now, the Lamb's Book of Life. We get into our final two points here, okay? Which really are our bigger points, okay? And that is the Lamb's Book of Life. You see how this is read? It says, all who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the Book of Life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world, right? And, and Steve read it very well, and it says, in the, La- in the book of Life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. That's how we would read it. Does all your versions of the Bible say that? When, when Steve was reading through that, were you reading with him? Did everybody's version say that? I know Marcia's didn't. Tell us the verse again, reference 13. Chapter 13, verse 8. King James, yours says something similar to it. It says, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. That's pretty similar. But New King James is a modernized, modernized version of the King James. Okay? That's an important thing to understand. The New American Standard Version says, all who dwell on the earth will worship him, everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world, in the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain. The NIV, the New International Version, says, All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. The English Standard Version, the new the new ones come out, says, And all who dwell on the earth will worship it, everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. In the Holman Christian something or other, it's the New Southern Baptist Bible, okay, it says, All those who live on the earth will worship him. Everyone whose name was not written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slaughtered. Okay. Now, clearly, hopefully as I read through that, there are two very clearly diverse opinions on how the verse should be translated. Yes? Do you see it? One says the Lamb has been slain from the foundation of the world. The other says that people's names are written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. There's a difference. you getting it yet? You got to get this before we move on. You got. There's t- two opinions. Either it's the the names, your name, if you if you're a believer that from the foundation of the world your name was written in the book of life, or secondly that Jesus Christ was slain since the beginning of the foundation of the world. Okay. So so this is what other versions say about this verse. Okay. Some verses here. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 5 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, just as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself. Now, according to Ephesians chapter 1, what was was done since the foundation of the world? That we were chosen. Okay? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion, elect according to the what? Foreknowledge Foreknowledge of God the Father and sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, according to Peter, then, we are elect, we are chosen, but we are chosen how? According to foreknowledge. Put that in your memory bank, we're going to come back to it. Okay? Revelation 17, verse 8, and you have other verses on your sermon note sheet. Okay? It's just that for time, I want to put three up here. In Revelation chapter 17, verse 8, we read, The beast that you saw was, and is not, and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel, whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they see the beast that was, and is not, and yet is. Now, this is a direct wording of what we got from chapter 13, verse 8. But in here, we don't have anything about the lamb that was slaughtered or slain. Now, what's the point? The point is the importance of adjectival positioning. Okay? Some of you are going to start Greek class tomorrow night. night. Okay? And hopefully six months from now, you'll get this. Okay? Some of you, this next frame, it's going to be all Greek to you. Okay? Okay. Now, the underlying portion of that Greek is the key in all this. You get it? Okay. okay, let's move on. Okay, so, anyways, no, let, let, I'm not going to read all of it to you, but even if you don't know Greek, you'll get this. Okay? Does this thing work? It does. Okay, you see the, the thing that looks like an O-U right here? Looks like an OU. OU. O-U, O-U, O-U. <laughs> anyways, it's Omicron Upsilon, okay? And so, it, it's just two vowels, ooh. okay? And so you have two to arniu to estagemenu. Okay? Anyways, say, so, well, big deal. What does that mean? Okay? It is the lamb, this is the lamb, slain, the slain one, okay? And the in Greek there is um, attributive adjectives and there is predicative adjectives. Okay? In attributive adjectives, let me give you the description here, okay? If I say Get the red book. The red book. It is attributive. Because I'm, giving, I'm I'm, attributing something to the book. Does that make sense? The red book. But if I say, the book is red, it's predicative. I'm stating something about the book. I'm not giving an attribute of the book. I'm giving a, a statement about the book. It's a predicate. Also known as an equative. It's an equative. Very good. Okay. In the Greek, Okay. in Greek... If you want to do something attributively, saying the book is read, or the red book, you either put your adjective between the article and the noun, okay? So we have article, to, that means the, noun, arniu. that's the, the lamb. And so we either put estegamenu, which is slaughtered, that's the word, do you remember back in chapter 6, I think it was, when we were talking about the, how the, um, the people that were killed, and, and I brought up of how they were slaughtered. Okay, this is that word. Okay? And so, th- you would put this word right here. So, you'd have to, are rnu. Okay? I hope you're... You don't, don't fall asleep on me here. Okay? Anyways, so you could do it that way. Or, you could put adjective... I mean, article, adjective or noun. Article, adjective or noun. Like this is. Okay? So, this is used... In the attributive position. If it was predicate, it would be like this, but this article would be gone. And so, in the translations, the lamb who is slain is wrong. Rather, it's the slaughtered lamb. The slain lamb. But the slain lamb, the slaughtered lamb, that really doesn't have a nice ring to it, does it? Now, the importance, though, to us is not the, the sound of it all. Is really what comes after it. And it is is the apokaraboles cosmo. And that is from the foundation of the world. You have to ask yourself, where does that go to? See, in, in English, we say things in order. In Greek, it doesn't happen that way. In Greek, whatever word I want to put the most importance upon, it's the first word in, this, in the whole sentence. Okay? And so, in Greek, you've got to be able to take um, phrases and snippets of sentences and flip them around to put them in their proper order. Okay, Now, so, this is the slain lamb from the foundation of the world. See, when you put in who was slain from the foundation of the world, it makes sense. But the slaughtered lamb from the foundation of the world, it doesn't go there. you get it? That indirect object actually goes back to the verb being written. The slain lamb isn't the verb. It's an adjective. You get it? And so the indirect object doesn't go to the slain, because it's not a verb. It's an adjective. It goes back to the names being written. And so... Literally, it says the slain lamb, not the lamb who was slain, and the indirect object goes back up. So it says, whose names are written from the foundation of the world in the book of the slain lamb. You get it? Just like in chapter 17, verse 8, it said. Now, this jumps right in the midst of then what? This election issue. Okay? But the reason I read 1 Peter in there as well, and as well as other verses, is that again, this is the, the statement where I was going to make about the timing of God. Was Jesus Christ slain before the foundation of the world? The answer is, yes. Yes. But was he really? No. But was he? Yes. So, if if he really wasn't slain until 29 A.D., 30 A.D., 31 A.D., 32 A.D. Whatever. Okay, if he really wasn't slain, crucified till then, how could he be slain before the foundation of the world? Because God determined it. Okay, because it was because time doesn't exist to God. That's really more the, the thing. God had already put out. Looky, I, I know this is a mind-boggling thing. Okay, and and. I, I can't fully put my, my whole self around this thing, okay? But but time is a concept that God created for us. Before Genesis 1:1, before God created the heavens and the earth, what was there? God. 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 What did God create in, on Gen- in Genesis 1:1? He created time, space, and matter. So time, space, and matter didn't exist before Genesis 1:1, but God did. Do you get it? God is outside of time, space, and matter. He's not limited by it. That's why he's omnipresent. That's why he's omniscient. He's he's not a created being. Satan is a created being. He's limited in some manner as a created being. Just as you and I are limited being a created being. But God is not limited. And so, one of the great debates is when when you're... you're putting yourself way out here before Genesis 1:1, and God has determined what is happening, right? Okay? How, how did that happen when well, you're looking through the novel of history, if you would? Is it that God just kind of shot the cue ball and things started going and God knew where all the balls were going and so he writes them all down? Did God shoot the cue ball in such a way that the balls would all scatter and, and, and go the, the exact directions that he wanted to go so at the very end all the balls were sitting on the table exactly where he wanted so that he could take his next shot? Do, do you get what I'm, I'm getting at there? Or were, as the balls were moving, he said, wait, I don't want that ball to go there. He just kind of tipped it just a little bit so the ball would go there. But once all the balls were done moving, the balls were done moving. Do you get it? As history... history is already written we're reading the future as we go through the book of Revelation do you think that what we're reading about and what we're studying about right now is a potentiality that God is, is seeking to make this occur that Satan can at any point disrupt it so that he can't lose that he'll win or are we really reading, like John said when he was caught up into heaven and he saw these things, are we really reading and studying about what has happened in the future? Remember we talked about the, the, the Hebrew language and during Sunday school? It's the only language where you have future completed actions. And when God prophesies, it's a future completed action. That's exciting stuff. It happened in the future. Star Trek yep, but do you get do you get my mixed, my mixed uh, tenses there? It happened in the future. That's what's going on. Now, so for me, I'm elect according to what? Foreknowledge. God foreknew all of these things that were going on. he 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 determined, he foreknew. And I'm not going to get into the mystery of the balance there. But I know that I'm elect according to what? Foreknowledge. And so the fact is, it's not a scary thing for me to know that people's individuals, people I'm witnessing to right now, they're either going to be saved or they're not going to be saved. Kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Okay? But, But before the foundation of the world was laid, that was understood. And it was also understood that I would witness to them. Do you get it? And so if you sit there and say, well, everything is predetermined, and so what, I mean, so tomorrow's already happened, then I might as well not even go all with life. And that's where people go with that. Well, then you've done exactly what God knew you'd do. Not what God caused you to do. Do you get it? God didn't make you lay down in your bed and be a lazy whatever. Okay? You chose to be that and use the excuse of theology to do what you wanted to do anyway. But God foreknew it. And so God knew. God desires what? 1 Timothy chapter 2. All men men to be saved. But he also knows that what? Not all men will. And so if God desired all men to be saved. And he had the capacity to make all men saved. Could he do that? But according to Romans. he He also has the privilege of doing what? Making some for wrath. And some for his glory. And so there's a balance in all that stuff. But for us right now, we need to understand that during this time, that those whose name are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and they have not been written since the foundation of the world, they will. They will what? They'll worship the beast. They'll marvel. They won't have a clue. They'll be blinded. Get it? That's where we talk about the, the, the blinding of their eyes and, 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 and following the lie. Because from the foundation of the world, their name wasn't written there. Now, was it because God unelected them? No. I believe that we're told clearly both in Romans <laughs> chapter 8 and 1 Peter chapter 1 that. That the, the election, the predestination comes according to foreknowledge, and so that they elected and predestined themselves to that. But you're not going to change history. It's going to happen. Yeah, and like I loved your testimony, Lawrence. It was great because so, how much we fret over the the meeting, but the meeting already happened according to God. So why am I fretting? So, so anyways, the Lamb's Book of Life. Okay. Can I have another? Please, steps. Go ahead. Verse eight. Everyone living on the earth will worship it. Everyone does whose name is not written in the book of life. That book belongs to the lamb and was slaughtered before the creation of the world. What? Per se. That is the verse we're talking about. Yes. So so we you yeah, you need another translation, Oh, oh, oh. So What are you I mean, reading from? That makes sense. It's God's word translation. Yeah. That makes sense. So. Amen. Okay. But Good. That was the wrong translation. Huh? saying that the lamb was slaughtered. No, I understand, but that's okay. But still, the fact is from other scriptures, we, we know from other scriptures in, in the Bible that, that Jesus was slaughtered from the foundation of the world. Yeah. Okay, and so so the that translation we've read, it, it's okay, it makes sense. It's not like it's unbiblical. Right. However, it hides, I think, the true translation that's there, and that is the fact that your name and my name, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, is is written in the Lamb's Book of Life and it has been written there from the foundation of the world which is so exciting from the perspective of well, we didn't want really to talk about this side security that's okay but from the other side of the people who won't believe they won't believe why? because they won't because their name's not written okay now and it's, and it's not because they're unelect but the other side is because they're not going to and I'm not going to change history but since I don't know whose names are written and whose name's not written what do I do? I witness because God desires all, all people's names to be written in the Lamb's book of life. Okay? Let's go on. Mark of the beast. Okay? This is what you all came... This is what you're paying the big bucks for. So this... No. Sorry. Anyways. Uh, but this, this... This is one that's exciting to us. And as we look at the mark of the beast, okay? Everybody focuses on this. This is really kind of neat uh, as you go through. There are several opinions that, that float out there about... Uh, more than several, actually. There are just so many. Anyways. But the big ones... First of all, that it's Nero, or Caesar Neron. Now, how many of you ever heard of Neron? You always hear of Nero, right? Well, the Amillennialists, this is a big group of Christianity, who believe that the church is Israel. Okay? The Amillennialists, they believe that there's no millennium, and that the church is Israel. So, therefore, they've got to decide somehow that it's not futuristic. So, they're the ones who say that Jesus came back in the clouds of the dirt of the hoofbeats of the Roman army. So when the Roman army came, and all the clouds of the, the that Jesus was coming back in that that cloud, amazing stuff. You, people are looking at me. This is the Presbyterian view. This is the unmillennial view. It sounds like a cult. It really does. I mean, I couldn't believe when I first read it. Somebody presented it to me. I thought it was I thought it was Jehovah Witnesses or something. I thought it was some cult. And I realized, no, this was really a a, a major view in Christianity. And I think, go, golly, how do you? I mean, this is worse than a, a bad B movie from Hollywood. Anyways, um. But in order to make Nero the Antichrist, and, and to make his number 666, and we'll talk about numbering in, in a few minutes, so hang with me here, they have to add an N to his name. And, and so, so you add an N, you can make his number 666. Okay? So using Caesar Neron, not Nero by itself, but Caesar Neron, his number in fact does equal out to 666, and so to see, therefore he was Antichrist, and all this revelation did transpire back in the first century. Some say it's the, the Pope, it's the papacy, and, and they use um, a a Latin they use a Latin translation referring to the vicar of the son of God, not the vicar of Christ, which we refer to they refer to him as the vicar of Christ, but because the vicar of Christ doesn't add up to 666, they have to make it the vicar of the son of God. And so but the vicar of the son of God does equal up to 666, and so therefore it's very clear that it's the Pope, that's the um, the Antichrist. And clearly when we get to Revelation 17, 18, 19, and we talk about the, the, the beast and the harlot and all that kind of stuff. The, the Pope is all through all that. Anyways, according to the view. And so, um, anyways, we'll talk about the Latin part of it too in a moment. I mean, the, the, the numbers thing, the names? We'll get to that in a moment. The problem is, is I mean, you can write any We're, we're going we're to talk about numbering in a second. Hang with me for a second. All right, all right. Okay? <laughs> Some say that it's Muhammad. Because clearly with the rise of, of Islam, you know, I mean, we've, I've seen this throughout the book of Revelation. I really haven't been bringing it up to you. But there are so many people who are reinterpreting Revelation to make Islam and Muhammad and all through this thing. I mean, this is, Islam is, is, is the, 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 the big beast here, man. I mean, it's just So And so, if you take Muhammad, and I can't remember what they do to it, it comes up with 666. But now this one's really going to get you. Ready? The boosh. The Bruce. Now the brooch is important here. Do you see the sixes? Do you see them? Do you see, see the sixes? You see two of them, don't you? But but the third one's there. It's just hidden. And see, when this individual had his wife wear this brooch, he was making a, a public claim to to everyone that, who he really was. He was no longer going to hide it. He was coming out and he was declaring it. See, because you got the six, you got the six, and if you take all these other little strands. I've seen it. I believe it. I saw it on the internet. It has to be true, right? Anyways, <laughs> you take all those other strands and you put them all together again. You can make them into a six. Oh, that's what I said. Okay. Therefore, this is proof positive that yes, Barack Obama is is the Antichrist. Anyways, because because his wife wore that brooch when he was inaugurated. Anyways, you, you get, you get, I, I hope this is kind of lighthearted here. Okay. Um, if you want somebody to be the, the Antichrist, you'll be able to figure out a way to make him Antichrist. I do have one question, and I'm not trying to say that this is the Antichrist, but with the uh, doctrine that the Pope is the head of the church and the Pope is over his word
1: is, he is over an, the Bible. Is he an, antichrist? Yes, isn't he an Antichrist?
0: He can be an Antichrist, yes. But that that's that's not the That's not, not but I'm not making a statement that he's the beast, right? Okay, so in the mark of the beast, though, okay, we had in this, we also now have, we want to go on and we want to talk about um, some contextual considerations here. First of all, prophetic perspective, okay? This is important because we get all these, you know, again, I only put four of them up there, but there are literally dozens, okay? So the first thing when we want to consider, what is this mark of the beast? Who could it be? You know, all this kind of stuff. First thing is prophetic perspective. What's prophetic perspective? First of all, prophecy always comes from the perspective of Jews in Jerusalem, of Israel. That's exactly right. And so in that then, if you are using a numbering system, and I thought it was interesting how Steve read it, instead of reading that the number the, the number of the beast was 666, six, six, he said 666, which really that's how it looks in there as well. There are two ways to interpret it. Now, in the Greek, literally it says 666. But, there are two different ways to look at it. You can either look at it as a number, 666. And in Hebrew, now there is the understanding that in, they, in Hebrew and in Greek and in Latin, they count with their letters. Okay? And so you have Aleph, Beit, Gimel, Daleth, He, Vav, okay, going through the, the, the Hebrew letters from 1 to 6, but then it goes up according to the tens, okay, when you get into the Yod Koth, Lamad, Mame, okay? And so if you take then 666, you'll note that it's a main sophet, which is the ending Mame, okay? There's a different letter for the end of the, the word, okay, for Mem. okay? So you have a main sophet, and then you have the 60 is Samak, and the 6 is, is Vav, and so you'd have Vav, Samak, Mame, okay? So in some bring it into English WSM would be 666 okay but if you use 666 like most people talk about it then it's vav 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 or the internet the internet, the internet. www oh, yeah. and you are all using the mark of the beast all the time i can't believe it and now uh, the world wants to hide it because now you don't even have to put www anymore it's just known it's just there and if you put anything in that in that, that URL, it just puts the www right on it. Anyways, okay, so, isn't it fun stuff? Anyways, is it possibility, is, is, is either one of these a possibility? The answer is yes. I mean, maybe, maybe there's going to be a guy who, who's going to be called William Samuel Moorhead. And he's going to be the, the leader of the, of the world. And his initials will be WSM, which taken back into the Hebrew will be Vav, Samak Mame. And, yes, see, 666. Six, six. I, I don't know. Anyways, do any of you guys know? I mean, you didn't get a personal letter from anybody declaring themselves to be Antichrist, did you? Anyways, okay. Um, there are a lot of groups out there. It's amazing as you go to do some of these, get some of these pictures and everything else for the beast. And, and Antichrist and 666, how many rock groups are out there? I mean, I know that from when I was growing up, but how many more are out there right now who want to declare themselves to be this? And I think, golly, if only you understood. So, per- prophetic perspective, it's, it's all Hebrew. Secondly, masculine or neuter. Masculine or neuter. Now, this is important. It's a gender thing. Masculine or neuter. In Greek, you have masculine, feminine, and neuter. In the English, we don't get this, but if you've studied foreign languages, you'll understand that there are many conjugations to your verbs and to your nouns. And for the nouns, there are three different genders. There's masculine, feminine, and neuter. Now, the important thing is here, is that, again, as we saw that two, the, remember the, the tau, omicron, upsilon that we're looking at with the, the lamb that was slain? That two can be masculine or neuter masculine or neuter so we read no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark of the mark or the name of the beast right so this is the mark or the name of a beast a beast okay or the number of his his name his name the beast was what it was a a leopard that had seven heads and ten horns representing kingdoms yes is that a hymn no, it's an it. Okay? And so, it could be it. So Or the number of its name. Hmm. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man. Now, the problem here is the word man is the word anthropos. It's not the word endar. It's not the word for a male person. Anar. Okay? So, it can be Andre or an anar. If it's talking about a Man. Man. But anthropos is talking about men, mankind. And so in the 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 word A isn't there. That means that there's no no article. So this could be translated that it is the number of mankind. The number of man. Its or his, its number is 666. Six, six. What's the number of perfection? 777. Seven. Seven, seven, seven. So it's God's number, it's the number seven, it's the number of perfection. So is this that it's one short of perfection, 666? Now, I, you know, there are ops, options here, but this neuter, this neuter thing here, as I studied it, I, I just really opened my eyes and I went, wow, you know, we're sitting there getting wrapped up with the, the number of a guy, and everybody's trying to figure out a guy, and it may not even be a, a guy, it could very well be the internet, www. I mean, I'm not saying it is, but that makes sense, doesn't it? So we go on then to the potentialities, right? So what are our potentialities? Well, it could be the number of an individual. Okay? But in this, we've got to be careful of exegesis and Jesus. Let's take me for a moment, Robert Corbin. And we take me back to the Hebrew, okay? Which is, again, prophecies from the perspective of Hebrew, so you can take me back. I potentially come out with a score of 1154. Now, it could be a little bit less, not much less, it depends on whether you take my, the C in my name to be a Kaf or whether it's a Chof. I know, it doesn't make a big difference to you right now, but it does on the numbers, okay? But we'll take it out to 1154. So very clearly, I'm not what? Antichrist. No, that's not the case at all. Because clearly, you guys, how many of you call me Robert? Only my grandma did, not she's dead. So, so you all call me what? Bob! So maybe Bob. Oh, Bob only works out to 356. Now we've gone the wrong way. And so, but wait a second. We know that Bob has a middle name. How many of you know Bob's middle name? <gasps> See? This is the way an antichrist is going to work. Because there's going to be something we don't know. Well, Bob's middle name is Alan. Well, the problem is, when you put Bob Alan, Corbin, it only comes out with 466. But we're close, aren't we? We're only what? 200 away. 200 away. And if you understood that the resh, resh in Hebrew, was a number for 200. So I said, Yes! All I got to do is put the R in there for Bob, and I got Rob, Al, and Corbin, and I got 664. Well, how'd that happen? The, the the R was 200, and if I put that in there, I get 200 more, right? The problem is I got to take the B out. The B's worth 2, and so that drops me to 664. What a bummer. Anyways, I thought for sure we had the Antichrist nailed down right here. You guys could stone me, and we could just go on with the plan of God. Anyways, but you know what? This is all for fun, but people do this. They have in their mind who Antichrist is, and then they sit there and they play games with all kind of words till they do what? Come they come up with something that equals it, and they say, "Yes, I got it." Like the Bruche, <laughs> the Bruche, I the Bruce, I just sorry, I had to show that one. I it just I laughed. I mean, I just couldn't. I, I think I showed it to Marcia when I first saw it. I said, "This is nuts." I mean, this is. How long did the guy sit, I mean, did he study the two people until he finds find something, and then he could t- tear it apart until he could determine that Barack Obama, whether Barack Obama will be Antichrist or he won't be Antichrist, I don't know, but it's not going to be determined based upon a bruise. Um, Salem Kirbin years ago, wrote a book called 666, and then he wrote a sequel called The Thousand. And in it, he had the President of the United States as the, as the uh, Antichrist. And what he had is really... It was a good book, though. It was a good book. And uh, what he had as the 666 was really interesting. He had that the, the President of the United States had a plaque that went out. And on his desk, and it said, Prayer changes things. Okay? Now, that's six letters, seven letters, six letters. Prayer changes things. And we say, yes. But on the flip side of the plaque, what he would read was, Things change prayer. And that was 666. Anyways, so... Anyways... Everybody has their their idea of what it could be. So, anyways, so this is, um, could be the number of an individual. You pick the individual and then make the number match, okay? Or it could be the number of a code. We've already talked about the Internet, www, right? 666. But, in conclusion, our next fun part is the UBC code. Now, how many of you understand fully what the UBC code really does? What does it do, Ben? Okay, so in that, what, what, what's with this thing here, and this thing here, and this thing so out here? Those are stop and start for the Good, that's right, they're check bits. Okay, very good. Okay, there are, there are bits. When you do computer type stuff, everything is, is um, binary. Zeros and ones. Okay, and in, in electricity, that means a zero means electricity is off, one means electricity is on. Your computer is run totally by zeros and ones. Behind the scenes, someone who wrote a program which was compiled into another programming language which was compiled into another programming language, which goes all the way down into machine code, which finally goes down into zeros and ones. So your entire computer is being run on zeros and ones. Now, in each one of these segments, there really are seven or eight spaces that the computer is reading in each one of those spots, okay? And it's in binary, okay? In some, some manner. The first grouping here okay, is the manufacturer's code, okay, and secondly, you got the product code. So when you're going and you're looking at the UPC, the first half, is says what manufacturer is manufacturing it, and the second half is within the manufacturer, what product is it? Does that make sense? It all makes sense, right? But why these check bits? Why these, these stop bits? Why were they chosen? What What's the deal with them? Well, if you notice the 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, you'll note above the 6, there's this line here and this line here. Indeed, that number ah, is gone. Is the number 6. And so for the UPC code, you have 6, 6, 6. Every time you buy something, you're using the mark of the beast. 6, 6, 6. And you didn't even know. See that? Now, is that for real? Yes, it's for real. Now, the thing you need to understand is that the numbering system on the left side is different than the numbering system on the right side. A 6 on the right side is going to look different than the 6 on the left side, but we don't want you to know that. Okay? So, but, that is the fact that only these two lines together right here, that's the only place where you have those two lines like these two lines. Like over here, that really goes together with the 4 Okay, that's all part of the same thing. It's only here where you actually have those two lines together. So the only thing that it's similar to is a 6. So is that true that that is probably a 6? Yes, it's probably true that that is what that is. They've chosen to use that marking. Is it true that it's 666, it's the mark of the beast? (sighs) Probably not. Okay, Um, but I'm sure it goes together with the WWW and all the computerized stuff that's there. Okay. There are many people who, who have prophesied, that have conjectured that computer codes and computer type stuff, the uh, 2001 Space Odyssey stuff, you know, is, is 666. <laughs> we'll see. Um, now, in all this, oh, I forgot to talk about the RFIDs too. I'm not going to talk about that. But you know, you know what the RFIDs are now? They're the little capsules they're putting in, you put them in animals behind their shoulders so that if your animal gets lost, they can run at computers. Robot and they know whose dog it is and where you live and everything like that? Okay, well, they're putting in humans now. Okay? And what's going to be in the future is that your credit card and bank information and everything will be on that little capsule in the little microchip that's going to go under your skin, and you can pass that, and they've already been testing this in Maryland and different places, and you can pass it over the, uh, the, the, the screen, you know, when you go into the, the, um, the store, the scanner. And, and all your information's right there. You don't have to worry about carrying a wallet, you don't have to worry about carrying money, you don't have to worry about somebody knocking you over the head and robbing. You just have to worry about them cutting your hands off. Anyways, so, um, but I'm sure that what will start to happen is people realize that people are getting be behanded, and so they'll start putting it in their heads. Anyways, so, um, <laughs> so they'll be, be Anyways, just to get their capsule. This will be identity, identity theft, so they are taking their hand. No, 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 no. But every product has this, this, this. But didn't you say that one six? the line was above that, the double line above that? Well, right, right. But that's what? meaningless. That's meaningless. That's just showing that what oh. the six looks like. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. But six. It has a begin- six in the beginning, six in the middle, six at the end. And they're used as check bits or stop bits on, for, for the, the reading of it. Now, in it, what do we know about the mark of the beast that's really of critical importance here? It will be a mark of worship. People will be called upon to worship the beast. The mark of the beast will be an indicator that you have chosen to make that step. But tied right into it, it will be a mark of commerce. You will not be able to buy or sell without the mark of the beast. Now, in all this though, what's extremely important that we haven't covered that I said was very important way back at the beginning when we covered the timing of all this. Okay? And I note all these people all worried about this mark of the beast. When does the, the mark of the beast happen? When does that happen? After the the, the harpotzo or the rapture of the church, in the second half of the 70th week of Daniel. So if, if it is a if it is a pre-trib or mid-trib even, rapture, where will you be? If you know Jesus Christ. In heaven. You won't be here. You don't have to sweat this one. Where everybody's sweating, looking right now for this this mark of the beast. You won't find it right now. Because it's not going to happen until after the beast has come. Until after the temple has been built. Do you get all this? Do you see a temple in Israel right now? So why are we worrying about the mark of the beast? Because do. people don't have a lot to do. That's exactly right. I mean, it's not so. I mean, you know, when you start, you start to realize and analyze all this stuff, you know, I mean, it's not here. Social security numbers. It's okay to use them. I hate that we have to use them the way they're, they're using them. I do. I hate it. However, it's not the mark of the beast. The UPC code. Great stuff, I love this stuff, man. This stuff is fun, but it's not. Could it be a precursor? Yes. Could WWW, the internet, be a precursor? Yes. Does Satan want to use all these tools? 100%. Yes. But is it right now? No. How do I know that? Because we're not in the second half of the tri- second half of the the, the 70th week yet. Do you get it? It's pretty pretty simple stuff. So, but. How does this apply to you and me? Well, the fact is, those who live during the days of the beast will have to potentially make a life or death decision. They're going to have to make life or death decisions. Are they going to worship the beast? Are they going to accept the mark? But what about us? Those who refuse to worship the beast will be put to death. Those who refuse to take the mark of the beast will be forbidden to buy and sell But what about us today? How does it apply to us today? Well, my question to me is, are there decisions that I have to make today that I must choose to obey God or someone else? It's the same thing. I don't have to worry about the mark of the beast. But sometimes, you know what? It's harder to make the decision. In fact, Jerry said this last week when we were doing the uh, looking at the Reformation. I loved it. Because we well, I was talking about, you know, make, make it life or death decision. He said, sometimes it's harder to make a decision you have to live with than you have to die for you understand? You could die for something, but then you don't have to, you just go on, right? But if you make a decision, like, I'm not going to get the mark of the beast, and so therefore I can't buy or sell, now all of a sudden I have to live with what? Hunger? And I have to watch my, my kids have hunger, and everything else, right? And so therefore, it's harder to make the decision. I'd rather have myself beheaded and watch my kids beheaded so they don't have to go through all this, this suffering, right? Well, not that I really want to watch my kids be beheaded, but you understand what I'm saying. Well, what about Today? Are there decisions that I have to make today or you have to make today that I'm not willing to make because I'm really not willing to suffer for Christ? Is there a mark that I'm taking? Am I being conformed not to the image of the beast but the image of the world because I'm not willing to offer my body as a living sacrifice to God? Do I want to look like the world? Do I want to be branded? Like the world? Do I want to wear what the world wears? Do I want to have the piercings and all the other things that the world has? Do I want to listen to what the world listens to? I wanna, do I want to have the things the world has just so I can be like the world? So I, can, so I can trade? So I can have commerce? So I can have discussion within the world? Or am I willing to say no? No. Rather, I want to be transformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And I want to look like Him instead. What do I choose? What is more important? The things of the world or the things of God? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. Lord, I thank you that your word is true. As quick as powerful, sharp to its sword. And Lord, mention this that we studied today. It's just out there. But yet it's stuff that we need to understand, Lord, as we witness and talk to others. And as the world um, banters about with untruth and incomplete truth and ignorance. Lord I pray that we would not be those who desire to walk in ignorance. But Lord that we are desiring to walk in your truth. For clearly you've said that your word is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And that there is nothing that's hidden from your sight. So Lord I pray that you would help us to go forth as as lights in the world holding forth the word of life giving the truth the message of redemption and hope to the world that you put us in contact with and Lord I pray that there will be many names that are written in the Lamb's book of life Lord I don't know whose names are written there but Lord I pray that that there are just myriads of names that are written there and that you allow us to see that those harvest fields, Lord, that are white in the harvest. And Lord, help us to be faithful to walk into them. You said that truly the, the, the fields are plenty, but the workers are few. Lord, I pray that you send us forth to your glory in Jesus' name.